0: Good morning. So we are talking about returning to our roots and as believers in this hour, in this day, is getting back to what the Word of God says the book of Acts declares to us and gives us a blueprint of what the church should look like. And so much of what we have become as the institution of the church, we have kind of went away from the foundation of And so, there's this call of God for us to return to our roots so that we can see the evidence that we see of God's power and glory as we see in the book of Acts. And so, today I want to talk about the subject, as we're looking at Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, of unity. When I was thinking about this yesterday, I actually have a separate sermon that I did, completely finished, and then I ended up throwing it away and going to this. Uh, Not that it was a different subject, but... The Lord just took me in a different direction, dealing with the idea of unity. But when I was reading Acts chapter 1, you see a picture. Jesus is speaking there in Acts chapter 1. I believe it's uh, down in verse, need these, verse 7, where it says uh, the Father has set those dates, uh, you know, it's in the Father's hands. He knows the return of me, what Jesus is saying. Then he goes on and says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what He promised. Remember, I have told you about this before. John baptized you with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, you see this perfect picture of Jesus unfolding the triunity of the Godhead. Uh, we use the word Trinity. It's not in the Bible, but the the word in, in the Bible is the Godhead, the, the three in one. Now we try to uh, understand what that means they write out definitions that i don't necessarily love like they use the, the term three persons well in the godhead that we sometimes forget and that we miss it is the perfect picture of unity there is complete perfection of unity in the godhead it, it's it's so one that they don't have a different thought than the other part of the godhead The Father thinks it, then the Son thinks it, if you would allow me to use the word think, which is probably even not a great fitting word for God. But the Godhead works in complete unity, and we see this picture now that He's drawing us into a place of relationship with the Godhead, and that now not only are we in unity with the Godhead, with God, but now that we come into a place of unity with one another. You see the picture that God has always been about trying to to create a family, to create people that love one another and are part of a family. We see this kind of unfolding revelation from the very beginning of creation that leads all the way up to a man named Abraham, who God made a covenant with him. A, A covenant relationship with God was first revealed to us through our father Abraham has many sons, right? Okay, some of you are like, I have no idea what you're doing. But anyway, but, so we have this perfect relationship now that's being created in covenant, God with man. And that he is wanting to bring us to a place of family. So then you see that the the revelation continued and grew to the nation of Israel, where the people of God, the family of God, uh, you know, they were a people that were set aside to be in relationship with God. And then we see this completely come and unfold in the new covenant, when when the new covenant was not just with, you know, stone and not just with words, but was the, the very blood of Jesus Christ established it for us. And now... Because of us having our faith in the work of the blood of Christ, we belong and we come into community and we come into family. And it's a real big deal. It is an eternal big deal. All the other things that we think of that is so part of our our idea of Christianity and everything that's in this world, most of that, if not much of that, will actually be done away with. But the idea of community and the idea of family will Continue forever and forever and forever. God created us to desire and to need community. Uh, I was thinking about that uh, even in the concept uh, of unity. Unity doesn't mean that I compromise, I still have to have the foundation of the Word of God. But what brings us together in community is that everything is centered around Jesus. We're not in community because. You know, some of you hate to watch football and some of you love to watch football and you want to watch the playoffs today. Some of you, you know, like to hunt or fish or shop or whatever. Those are things that we enjoy doing, but those are not the things that bring us together. We come together in all of our uniqueness and differences, but we come together focused around this one centerpiece that Jesus Christ causes us to belong. And this is so important for us to understand that You know, there, there's this need that's in us to have and be a part of community. I was thinking about this in the concept of even revival breaking out in the book of Acts. It was when they were together in one accord. They, they had, they had things in common. They were, they were in community together. And then in that place of community, there is the, the revelation of Jesus. And then from that, I'm having computer problems, forgive me. So from that, to, I shouldn't have to rely on this. You need to just take the book and the word and yeah. So, but uh, bless this computer in Jesus' name. I, uh, let's see. Okay. So, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they were, they were all together in one accord, and they were devoting themselves with a purpose, to have prayer, and that's a place of relationship. We talked about prayer a couple of weeks ago. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see that when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. They were together. The word is a, a word of connectivity, of unity, of fellowship, and they were together in one place. And there the Holy Spirit was poured out. And there, if you would, the church began. Jesus said, it's going to happen. It's going to come. And so, we see the revelation of the Father, then Jesus, the Son, and then he said, I'm one with the Father, there's unity with me and the Father, but I'm going to go away, and it's good for you that I go away, because when I go away, I'm going to send another like unto myself, in the same perfect representation of me, Jesus was saying, and that representation is the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit no longer, because of the blood of Jesus, covers us and cleanses us. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come and set on us and let us have a good time at church, but the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you, and you have the, if you would, the DNA of God that's living inside of your life. And it connects you to Him, to the Godhead, but it also connects you to one another, that's why a lot of times you'll hear, uh, you'll even say something like, I don't know them, but I just have a f- sneaky feeling they're a believer. Why Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit's inside of them. And there's something that is you sense in this camaraderie, you know, this connectivity that comes in that place of the Holy Spirit. And so, what is, I think this is, this subject has to be dived into in a very deep way because I feel like. When you meet people in your day-to-day, out we were just talking to about this a little bit before service, but people are so lonely. People feel like they don't belong anywhere. They, they have done everything, and I believe, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist, whatever, I believe there's been an intentionality of the enemy and the systems of the Antichrist in the world that has, you know, caused people to be splintered and not be together, not be in relationship. And, and things even got worse because, you know, from COVID time. And we can argue and get all that kind of stuff about that. But I'm just saying it, the result of it was that people became even more and more isolated. Uh, as you, as some of you know, we've talked about this with the statistics going on in the, in the country right now. At least, at the very least, 45% of the people did not come back to church after COVID was over. And it's, it's a permanent mark. And so, the enemy has, you know, has divided everything. People are so isolated, alone. A lot of that, I think, it moves into depression, the suicide rate, all those things that are going on. And what people don't realize is that they were created to belong. They were created for community. They were created by God and for God, according to Colossians. And so, in that, there's got to be something that Goes beyond us just having, oh yeah, unity, unity. Let's have another sermon on unity. No, we've got to go beyond that and understand that God wants us to belong to community. It's essential. It would remind me a lot during COVID when they would have multi-millionaire actors and actors get on and say, we're all in the same boat together or something like that. I'm going like, well, your boat's a yacht. And, my, and, I, and I, I'm i out here in my dinghy here trying to paddle around. So we are not in the same boat. and And so everything that could possibly, the enemy could do to bring us to a point of, there is a... I don't think I, I, I can overemphasize this. Some of you may not see this, but there is a crisis of isolation and loneliness that's going on in our nation right now. And, and the reality is, a lot of times we, like a lot of men, for instance, will join groups, secret society groups, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, and we are pretty, you know upset and say, "Well, oh, they're, they're joining the Freemason or whatever. Do you have, understand? That a lot of the reason why men, even specifically men, but women and men, that they do things that we say, why would they join this secret society or this group? It's because they want to belong to something. There is a need inside of them to belong And and whether that comes from military things, even uh, a lot of times when, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine, because they, if you're a Cowboys fan, you know, sorry if you are, or if, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) or, you know, or you're a Steelers fan or something, but you gravitate to saying, I identify with that, you know? When I have, you know, a couple Steelers jerseys, but the reality is it doesn't make me a, a person that could go play football on Sunday, does it? Just because I put, so we identify with things that we really, it, it's more something almost made up in our mind. But the reality is, God, go to the next slide, God wants to bring us into a place of the community of the believers, and that we understand how important this is. We need to do life together. We need to love one another. We need to have fellowship with one another. There is, the reality, even, is that we live in a world right now that this word community is a kind of a buzzword that's going around. People use this term, you know, community very frequently, you know, uh, or they use words like a village or something like that. But the reality is that community used to be, in our nation, used to be centered around the body of Christ, it used to be the church. Now, I know that some of you say, well, some of that could be religious and everything. But the reality is, we have backed slowly, you know, away from that more and more so. That the center of life for the believer, listen, for the believer in America is no longer the church. And that it's so, that people, they're so, even, I'm not talking about you, you know, none of you. I'm talking about the bad Christians, other places. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But even how easily someone will come into a church and leave a church. I'm not saying there isn't a time to do that. There, of course, there is times when God will have you to transition to another church. But we do it so flippantly, and it should be like a major big deal, like God is telling me to do this. And because, you know, we're connected to one another. So, the global community, we use that term a lot. And these are the questions that we need to pose and answer. What does God think about community? Does the Bible say anything concerning the subject? Is community that important? What are the benefits of community? Is the Holy Spirit, this is important, is the Holy Spirit highlighting the revelation of community in this season? Has the enemy perverted the idea of what community is? And how do I invest my life into community? And so, community is simply defined a joint ownership or participation and a unified body. Yes, there's individuals, but they fellowship together and they have a common goal, a common focus, and as a believer, what brings us together is our commonality of Jesus. Common unity, common unity, community that we are centered around Jesus, And coming together. So, the community of the believers. And so, this this is in Acts chapter 2. It says, the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the community, to their shared meals and their prayers. Now We could read all the way down through there. But then, at uh, verse 47, they praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community, those who are being saved. Do we think that way? Is that the mentality that we have? It's not about just getting our church to grow or getting another notch on our belt. Got them saved. Another notch on my belt. I don't even know what where that came from, notch on the belt. Probably you know from gunslingers would shoot somebody and then make a dodge. But anyway, so that might not be a good term. Anyway, so uh, it it isn't about just you know saying, well, I got somebody saved, is that we are making disciples. And the, and it's not just about leading them in a prayer that we begin there, but we're making disciples. How are they going to be discipled? They come and become part of community. When you, when you plug yourself into community, you will be discipled. And so the reality is, the next slide, is that we need each other. We were created to need one another. That's why that God doesn't usually ever give anybody all nine gifts of the Spirit. I mean, did you say, you know, I know somebody will bring up somebody. Well, what about, I'm saying that normally that God gives as he wills, according to 1 Corinthians 12. Why? Because I need the gift that you have in your life. And you need the gift that I have in my life. And when we bring our gifts together, we, we need one another. And God he does not, as much as we think that God wants us to be independent, He doesn't. He wants us to be codependent, not codependent in like a bad way. You know what I mean? I know what codependency classes you can take, but, but that we need one another and that we were created to need, to need one another. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. And let us consider how to st- uh, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. See, that's what we we come together because we encourage one another. Sometimes we irritate one another, <laughs> right? But the reality is that sometimes God even wants people around you that irritate you because he's dealing with something in your life. So that we need one another, we gain from one another, we glean from one another. And look what verse 25 says. This is very important. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. The habit of what? Some that are not coming together, they're not assembling together. Let's just put it in a you know, plain old hillbilly term, they're not going to church. And I know that a lot of people say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, How many know, we, we about wore that one out. <laughs> that one don't fly very well with me anymore. And I understand what you mean when you say that, but the reality is you were created to assemble. You in that, that assembling doesn't, it's not just you, well, I've set my butt on the pew today. No, that we are assembling, that we are coming together as one people, giving one voice unto the Lord, and we walk in a place of unity, that it's in the midst of that place as we unify, and we pray together, and we believe together, and we worship together, and we fight for one another, and we're there for one another, that it's in the midst of that kind of environment of unity that God says, I can pour out my spirit there. Psalms 133 how good and pleasant it is when the when the brethren <laughs> I learned it in the King James sorry <laughs> how how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity you know you see like it's like the dew, you know, it's like running down Aaron's beard, the dew on Mount Herm. It, you, it's like it covers, it saturates it from the top to the bottom. It covers all the parts of the body when we come together. In, and it says so profoundly there that it says it is there that God commands the blessing. And so the reality is it's not just about us coming to, to church and we put in our hour and a half or... However, time on Sunday, but that we are investing our lives in community. It says that for not forsaking our own assembling together, as the habit of some has become very much more pronounced in our in our culture in our America. Way it's you know we lost half the people during COVID, never came back. In in as far as the nation goes, that's big deal. It's a real big deal. Why? Because things are about ready to get really difficult in the world around us. Uh, some of you are saying yeah, it's already there. I understand. But, and so in, the, in that time of crisis and difficulty, we're going to need the strength that we only will have together. I'm, I know that some of you won't agree with this, but there are certain things that God will only do in a corporate setting. I believe that with all my heart. There is things that God will do in an individual setting, and I need that, and I need alone time with God. All that's really important, but there's certain things God will only do in a corporate setting, and when we come together, that's why we pray together, because we're praying corporately. One will put a thousand, two, ten thousand. There's an exponential amount of the, the anointing that increases just because of the fact that we come together in unity. In the last part of that verse, I'll get through this verse, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the date uh, drawing near. What does that mean? The, the, as we're getting closer and closer towards the coming of the Lord, could be even possible that it's this generation, or, you know, it may be at least my, my grandchildren's generation, that the return of Jesus Christ will happen. And the Bible is very clear that we need to make the priority of coming together as God's people more and more important to it as we get closer to the coming of Jesus. And so we need each other. We need each other as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's in Ephesians. You give your part, I give my part. And and we grow together. And so, number one is this, why is it so hard being a part of community? Being a part of community doesn't mean you just go to church, it means that you're in relationship with one another. One of the things that is beginning to change in American culture just now is changing is that most Christians now are not looking for the megachurch to go to. Why? Because often in, in a mega setting, you're not having relationship. Now you can, but often you don't. So what we're going to see is we're going to see communities. Sometimes we can get away from the talking about a church, but that we're building community together, that in that community, that we are loving one another, praying for one another, we're learning and discipling, we're, we're eating the Word of God up, and we are adding to the community as often as we can possibly add to the community, not because it's about a church number, it's about somebody coming and joining the family and coming into relationship. And so, relationships are difficult. Why, why, you know, why, why isn't this easy? Because relationships are not easy. How many of you have been married for a while? It's not easy. It takes work. It takes effort. Endeavoring. I love that, you know, Paul wrote, and he said, endeavoring to, to the, the bonds of the Spirit, to the unity of the Spirit. The word in, endeavoring there is a word in the Greek that it means it's hard work. Relationships are going to cost you. A lot of Christians nowadays don't want to pay what it costs to build relationship. uh, Number three, when you have relationships, that means you're loving, and that means you can get hurt. It requires you to see things from other people's perspectives. I understand the foundation is the Word of God. I'm not changing that. But some people didn't grow up exactly like you, and sometimes we make some things sacred that aren't. The next one is it reveals immaturity. When I have to build relationship and walk in relationship, it rev- it reveals the immaturity in our lives, in my life, that sometimes I don't want to see it. So the best thing is to not have any relationships. And I don't want to see that. Uh, Satan hates unity. He hates community, and it would require us to walk in humility constantly. It's hard to walk in community when you're arrogant and filled with pride. Second thing: why why do Christians quit community? Why do they quit church? And these are just some of the reasons to feel like God gave me. One, you don't see the true benefit in it. Number two, you don't want leadership or accountability. (laughs) That's a rough one, isn't it? Because when you're in community, one of the things that happens and should happen in community is that every once in a while you have somebody that tells you that you're wrong. Or this is not lining up with the Bible or something like so and that's built in that place of relationship, and this is the reality. If I don't know you and you come to rebuke me, I'm going to say like, "Oh, I don't know who, who are you? But if, you're, if I know you love me and you're walking with me and you're in relationship with me, then I, if you have something that you see, I want you to tell me. I really do, and that should be the reality of community. Uh, how about this one? You've seen uh, leaders fall. <laughs> I mean, how many obscene leaders fall? It's a mess, isn't it? Creates a mess. I was just, uh, I was just with a patient in uh, Weston this this week, and her um, her son died, and she. I went to do kind of like a pastoral house call with her, and I asked her, and I said, you know, do you go to church? She's been going to the same church for years and years, and then I, I said, well, you know, can do you mind me asking why your pastor's not here? And, Then she said, you don't want to know. And I knew what that meant. And then she told me the story. And so, a lot of you have been through some bad experiences in church, and it just really says, like, you know, is it worth it? Uh, Some people quit community because Jesus is not really the focus. They got hurt. Or it can even be because you don't want to face the truth. And number three, and this is the last one, is do I have contempt for the community of believers? It was 24 years ago now that I was uh, pastoring in North Idaho. We were in the middle of a building program, and and but God was really dealing with stuff in my heart, in my life, and all of a sudden, you ever read a verse, and then next thing you know, you just felt like you got you read it a hundred times, and I was reading First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, and it says, "Or do you despise the church?" Paul write, he's writing that, "Do you despise the church?" And I'm reading this, and it wasn't a good moment for me because I just, the Lord just confronted me. He says, you know, you have a love-hate relationship with the church. I'm going like, that's the devil. Get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. But it, it was the Lord. And what the Lord was revealing is some things in my heart of things that I'd been through. Um, you know, uh, just as a pastor's kid— some of the things that I went through as, as a kid. And my dad had a moral failing in 1980. And then all the, the ramifications of what that meant in my own life. And all of a sudden, friends weren't allowed to come and play with me anymore. And all, you just, you at 10 year old, you can't comprehend these things. But you begin to realize the baggage that you're carrying. And I, I, one of the, the uh, things that they would always ask me when I was a kid was, are you going to be a preacher like your daddy when you grow up? They would say that to me all the time. And my smart mouth would always say, no, I, I don't want to be poor. <laughs> so I had all these judgments and everything that were inside of me. And then, you know, the next thing you know, God calls me to, to ministry and I'm pastoring and everything. And I'm, God's doing great things in the church we're at. We're growing. We're in a building program. And right in the middle of that, God says, you despise the church. That was rough. I mean, I had to, and the Lord made me confess it that next Sunday when I preached. I preached on this verse. And the Lord, I really believe this, and I just want to take the moment. Lord, in every area of our heart where we have been hurt and wounded by and in the church, God, would you heal us? We don't want to carry that. We we don't want to be affected by that, and this is what the Lord is really saying, that sometimes, that because of that woundedness in your heart, it causes you to see things in a wrong perspective. You're almost like, if you'd let me use the term, it's almost like your eyes even give you misinformation because you're looking through wounds. So Lord, would you heal us in any place that we despise, the church even, that you would heal us in Jesus' name. That word despise there in the Greek, it, it, to have contempt for, disdain, think little or nothing of. And it's not about, this is what it's true, it's not about going to church, about being plugged into community. And so, these are some things. Do I have contempt for the community of believers? <laughs> if you've been in the, in, the, I, in the church for very long, I've seen some stuff. How I many have seen some stuff? Oh my goodness, I've seen stuff. I've been hurt. I felt like at times I was unappreciated. I've been taken advantage of. I've been controlled. I've been deceived. I've been lied to. And I've felt unloved. Every one of you probably have many, if not most of these, that you've experienced in your own time in the body of Christ. And so the Lord wants to heal us so that we can come back to a place. One of the things that Lord Jesus really dealt with me about was kind of the the, there's a pastoral, this is terrible, so you're going to hear it. This is a pastor kind of a joke, condescending joke, not a very good joke, bad joke that pastors say to each other all the time I love Jesus, just don't like his people. Or I love Jesus, but. Maybe even some get to strong, but I hate the church. And when the Lord was dealing with me about this 24 years ago, I was reading this in Ephesians chapter 5, is that Christ loves the church in its brokenness, and in its inadequacies, and in its blemishes, in all the mess that we see. We're always, we're always, see, because I was raised with that pastor's kid mentality, it was always about what anybody else would think about us. Jesus is not as concerned about that as much as he is about us learning to mature and love one another than what anybody in the community, and I understand reputation, all that kind of stuff. But the Lord had me write this down 24 years ago, is that God has no plan B, The church is the plan of God. And so, if you have been in a community of believers for any real length of time, then you have some negative experiences, but this doesn't change the fact that the community is still God's plan, and without it, you will be missing some things that God has chosen to only provide through it. Jesus loves the community. He died for the community and is returning for the community of believers one day. We truly need each other in the community and even more and more so as the day of the Lord approaches. Amen. Next slide, last one. So, what do we need to do? Oh, this is it. This is, we always have to begin with forgiveness. Forgive, forgive, forgive. It's always like I'm, forgive quickly. I always say, carry it with you. Forgive. I know you, I always make connotations of guns sorry but I'm ready on the quick draw I forgive you <laughs> that we're quickly forgiving and not caring because you know one thing when you carry unforgiveness and you let it uh, you don't get rid of it quickly it doesn't do anything but grow <laughs> It just grows and gets bigger and gets, makes you more miserable and you become more cantankerous and then you get more miserable and more, you know, depressed and, you know, man, if you can forgive, it's so freeing. Get rid of any bitter root judgments that you may have in your heart and that's stuff we can deal with uh, in the future even deeper. When you need it, get inner healing. Get prayed for. Get some inner healing. I've tried to do that pretty consistently and throughout my ministry. I I remember at times uh, they have a place called Transformation at Bethel in Reading. And and, uh, we were going to go there for a while. I set up sessions. And people will will ask you, what are you going for? Something wrong? (laughs) Uh, There's always something wrong, but there's something even more right like getting free and 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 being in situations where freedom is not just a one-time i went to cleansing stream 30 years ago yeah but you've had a lot of stuff happen for the last 30 years you might need another dose open up your heart don't shut your heart it's so easy to shut it jump into community jump full bore in and it's not just about like when somebody comes to church it's not It's not just like, oh, we want to fill this card out. We're going to write you letters and get you. you, It's about, hey, you're welcome in our community. No matter what flaws, mess ups you got, no matter, you're welcome in our community. Ask God for vulnerability, desire accountability. And then this is the bad, the bummer. No, you're going to get hurt again. It's going to happen. So Lord, we come to you today. Everything in our heart that would not make community a priority, we ask you to heal. Give us revelation, enlighten us, enlighten our eyes, as Ephesians chapter one, that we might see it. We might see the hope of the calling. That we might understand God in any way that uh, any anyone in the sound of my voice has backed away from community maybe in the last year, maybe the last four years. Lord, I pray that they would make a conscious effort by the help of the Holy Spirit to engage in community again. And Lord, we pray that you will give strategies to the leadership of this body, that we will find ways to build better community here. We're grateful for one another and we love one another. But Lord, we understand ultimately that we are unified because of you. You are what brings us together. And every lie of Satan that says, I don't belong, we break those lies off of us right now in Jesus' name. We belong. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That the blood of Jesus causes us to enter the family. And yes, Israel used to be a picture of that, but now we've been grafted into that, into that family. Lord, in every lie of Satan that is any way, tried to disengage the hearts of your people in this room right now, God, would you re-engage it? Would Would you ignite something inside of them? There would be a hunger for community. We need community. We need one another. Even so much more as the day of the Lord approaches. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: A guiding word. This has been a guiding word, a directive. It's also an exposing word and a healing word. The disappointments that many have carried, the Lord took all of those. Griefs, and sorrows upon Himself. That's why we love Him so much. I'm going to ask, in addition to this, I can't really add anything because it's so complete. Because you said it, all I can do is parrot some of the thoughts. Let's just determine that we'll, we will be humble. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, but the verse before that showed that he, was, he knew where he'd come from and he knew where he was going. Jesus was not insecure. Most of us have come from insecurity. We have fears we deal with. We have vulnerabilities. We declare that you have room to grow. And resources to help. Heather and I had a talk the other day. We said, you know, we wish we'd have been as mature back then as we are now. But that was part of the process. Would you say this? It's not too broken that God can't fix it. I'm not too broken that God can't fix me. I choose to be healed, repaired, to become an expression of His blessing to other people. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand together.